Welcome to today's message by Pastor Tommy McMurtry of Liberty Baptist Church. Liberty Baptist Church is located in Rock Falls at 2002 Ninth Avenue, just across from the Dillon Grade School. Pastor Tommy would like to invite you to be a part of their Sunday services. The Sunday school hour is at 10 a.m., followed by their morning worship at 11 a.m., or their evening service at 6 p.m. They would also love to have you be a part of their midweek services on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We hope you will get a blessing this morning as Pastor Tommy brings you a message from the Word of God. Well, it is that time again. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Tommy McMurtry of the Liberty Baptist Church, and we appreciate you being here and listening. Hope you get a blessing today. I tell you, I appreciate a lot of the feedback that I've been getting, but at the same time, most of the feedback I've been getting from everybody on this program is about the jokes, not the message. And I don't know, that kind of has surprised me. I thought I was really bad at telling jokes, but I don't know if people are enjoying them because they're funny or if I'm getting laughed at in my telling of the jokes. It's really hard to say. Not as much feedback on the message, so slightly concerned about that. I've been threatening to move the jokes to the end of the program, but I, I kind of like ending on a spiritual note. But anyway, well, you know, at least you're listening. I just hope y'all aren't just listening to the jokes and then going to something else. So uh, if I start to think that's going on, I might, I just might have to move it to the end. But anyway, I'm glad you enjoy them. I had somebody send me one that I thought was pretty funny. Uh, I don't know if it'll be funny when I tell it, but this is a Bible trivia question. Where did Noah keep the bees? In the archive. Well, I hope somebody's laughing out there. But you know, they also said Noah's ark joke should come in pairs. Well, I hope you all get it. It's weird when you're here by yourself, you can't hear anybody laughing. But hey, how about this? Since Noah's ark jokes had to come in pairs, I had to do another one. What animal could Noah not trust? The cheetah. Well, anyway, I hope you thought that was funny. This morning I want to do something I th- I think is funny. I hope this doesn't offend everyone. Now, if if you know me, I'm not a person who's easily offended. I like to joke. Uh, I like to cut up and have fun. But I am going to share with you some religious light bulb jokes. All right, here we go. I hope you enjoy these. I think we cover just about everybody here, so nobody get offended. How many Calvinists does it take to change a light bulb? None. God has predestined when the lights will be on. How many atheists does it take to change a light bulb? None. Atheists don't believe in light bulbs. Or, one, but they are still in darkness. How many Pentecostals does it take to change a light bulb? Ten. One to change it and nine others to pray against the spirit of darkness. How many TV evangelists does it take to change a light bulb? One, but for the message of hope to continue to go forth, send in your donation today. How many Episcopalians does it take to change a light bulb? One to actually change the bulb, and nine to say how much they like the old one. How many Presbyterians does it take to change a light bulb? Well, it should require about five committees to review the idea first. If each is staffed with half a dozen members, that's about 30. How many members of the Church of Christ does it take to change a light bulb? One to change the bulb, four to serve refreshments. How many fundamentalists does it take to screw in a light bulb? The Bible doesn't say anything about light bulbs. 
How many agnostics does it take to screw in a light bulb? None. Agnostics question whether light bulbs really exist. How many charismatics does it take to change a light bulb? One, since his hands are in the air anyway. How many independent Baptists does it take to change a light bulb? Only one. Any more than that would be considered ecumenical. How many Roman Catholics does it take to change a light bulb? None. Candles only. Southern Baptists? At least 15. One to change a light bulb and three committees to approve the change and decide who brings the potato salad. How many Mormons? Five. One man to change a light bulb and four wives to tell him how to do it. And then finally, how many Amish does it take to change a light bulb? What's a light bulb? Well, I hope that was a blessing to you. Uh, I had fun with that, and I didn't even really get some of those. I think you have to kind of know the religion a little better. So uh, if I did get your religion and you got offended, hey, Independent Baptist was in there too. So I, I think I offended just about everybody. Um, if I did not mention your religion in there, I hope you didn't get offended by not getting offended. Anyway, we live in a society that just gets offended by everything, and I refuse to. Uh, you know, worry about that stuff. I try and I don't offend people on purpose, but I think it's okay to have a little bit of fun. And I hope you all took that with the right spirit this morning. But this morning, I want to speak to you on a subject I think is very, very important. I'm going to read a verse of scripture to you, and then uh, we'll get into this subject. But Matthew chapter 5 um, is where we have what are known as the Beatitudes. You know, blessed are the meek, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit, all those things. But I want to focus on one of them, and that's the one in verse 6. It says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. We live in a world today with people that are trying to fulfill lust of the flesh, trying to fulfill, uh, trying to fill their bellies, trying to fill whatever it is, and just never finding satisfaction anywhere. I mean, we've got people that are literally addicted to just about everything, whether it be drugs, whether it be you know entertainment, their television, their cell phones, uh, and nobody can ever seem to find satisfaction on anything. I mean, they can live in beautiful homes. They're not satisfied with it. They can be uh, driving nice, fancy cars. But they're not satisfied with, fied with it. Just nothing seems to satisfy people today. But here in the Bible, it says if we hunger and thirst after righteousness, we will be filled. And notice that they who hunger and thirst after it, those who actually want it, those who actually desire it. And I believe one of the main reasons that people uh, are not finding fulfillment in these areas is because they're not even hungry for it. It's not something they're think about. They they think about. It's not something that they care about, and uh, it's not even a subject they even want to hear talked about. But you know, the fulfilling of righteousness or the filling, I believe it's going to completely come when we're in heaven and we're changed. But the blessing comes when we get hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Psalm seventeen fifteen says. As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. If you're saved today, one day you will be like Christ. And hopefully you have that desire to be like him today. And if you do have that desire, if you hunger and thirst, there is a blessing that comes with that. 
the complete finished product of it is not going to come until that day when Christ returns and we see him and we'll be like him. But the blessings can start today if you will hunger and thirst after righteousness. And it's funny that it mentions you know hungering and thirsting, that it uses those two words because hunger and thirst are really two of the strongest desires of the human body. I mean, when you're when we're hungry, boy, it affects everything. All we can think about is food. When we're really thirsty, I mean, those are strong desires that we have. And just a few questions just to maybe help you figure out if this is something you're desiring after, something you're thinking about. You know, do you do you desire righteousness? You know, is is righteousness a priority in your life? Do you even give righteousness a thought? Are you having victory in any area? Are, are there areas in your life where you can say, I have been obedient to God? You know, some people, they want righteousness because they want to impress others. They want to look good. They want people to think they're spiritual. They want people to think they're righteousness. There's some people that want righteousness so they can go to heaven thinking that they're going to work their way or earn heaven if they can just be good enough. Some people want righteousness so they can walk with God. They want to be close to Him. They want to have a close relationship and they know that helps. But a person who is hungering and thirsting after righteousness will think about it often. You know, When you're hungry, you constantly are thinking about food. When you're thirsty, you're constantly thinking about something to drink. And if you're hungering and thirsting after righteousness, it's something you're going to think about and you're going to work to satisfy that hunger and that thirst. And one thing it will do, if someone's really hungering and thirsting after righteousness, it's going to cause them to call on the Savior. Romans 10.13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The only way you can find salvation is through Jesus Christ, through His righteousness. A person who really wants righteousness, they're going to see that they're a sinner. They're going to know that Jesus Christ is the only way. He's their only hope. And they're going to call on Him for salvation. But many people today prove that they're not hungering and thirsting after righteousness is you try, they don't even want to hear you talk about Jesus. You go to somebody's house and try to give them the plan of salvation. They literally will run you off. Why? Because it's not something they're thinking about. It's not something they want to think about. They're not hungering and thirsting after righteousness. They are completely content in their sorry, sinful condition. And that's very, very sad. But a person who hungers and thirsts after righteousness... I believe one of the first things they're going to do is call on the Lord for salvation. They're going to get born again. They're going to get saved. And if you've never done that, boy, you that's what you need to do. And you just get a glimpse of the Savior. And I, I believe a person's going to want to do that. We'll get into that in a little bit. But one thing that hungering and thirsting after righteousness will do, it's going to cause you to hate your sinful condition. See, the problem today, most people... I mean, we're all sinners, but most people are completely okay with that. They're not bothered by that one bit, and there's a very good reason for that that I will share with you in a little bit. But I want to read a passage of Scripture for you because the Apostle Paul was a man who definitely hungered and thirsted after righteousness. He's one that most people believe was probably the best Christian that ever lived. But listen to what Paul said about himself, and there was a reason Paul felt this way. And it's the same way that you and I should feel 
but I'm afraid most of us don't. But Romans 7.14 says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find in a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity, the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. See, notice Paul's words about himself. He wasn't doing like a lot of religious people and saying, wow, what a wonderful person I am. He said, oh, wretched man that I am. Now, why would somebody as good as Paul, as successful as Paul in his righteousness and his closeness to God, why would he say that about himself? And I believe the reason Paul said that about himself, I don't think he was trying to be humble. I don't think he was trying to be dramatic. The reason Paul felt so bad about himself is because of how close he was to God. The closer you are to God, the more you're going to hate your sin. And the reason most people today are completely okay with their sin is they are so far from God, it's not even funny. And therefore, they are completely content where they're at. They feel fine. They'll talk about how wonderful they are. But I tell you, if they got anywhere near God, they change their tune quick. They would be like Isaiah when he got in the presence of God. He says, woe is me, for I am undone. Job, another great, great man. In Job 42.1, after about three chapters of God speaking to him, trying to show uh, you know, just how great God is and how sorry man is, after it got done, Job said in 42, one. Uh, then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Job, he had said some things that he shouldn't have because he was talking about things he couldn't understand, things that were just above him. And then verse 4, Here I beseech thee and I will speak, I will demand of thee and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. And listen to what he said after he got a glimpse of the goodness of God. Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. If folks would get just a glimpse of God, I'm not talking about physically seeing him, but just have a basic understanding of God they would not talk about how good they are. They would realize how bad they are. And they would want to be like him. And it's just like, for example, you know, if you're a sports fan, okay, when you watch a certain athlete that's really good, you try, you try to mimic them, don't you? 
You try to imitate what they do. You try to play like them because you want to be like them in that sport. If that sport's something that's important to you. I can, I remember a time, uh, when I played, I played in a golf outing, a best ball tournament. And you know, I enjoy playing golf, but I barely do it. And to tell you the truth, I'm terrible at it. Uh, I'm, and, and you know what? That doesn't really bother me. But I was at a golf outing one time. And there were three guys that were golfing together that I knew, and they didn't have a fourth man, and I didn't have a team. So I went and I joined their team. And that those three guys were extremely good at golf. And that whole time, I remember we started off in that first tee, and all three of them went and hit their ball first. They just did these long, beautiful drives, and then I knew I was up next, and I knew it was not going to look the same. And to make a long story short, they used one of my shots in that whole tournament, and it was only it was only slightly better than one of the other guys. And by the end of that day, I just hated my golf skills. I hated my golf game after playing with people that were good. Usually I would play on groups that weren't very good, and so I felt fine. But when I played with guys who knew what they were doing, I felt terrible about my golf game. And you know the worst thing of all? I won, or my team won. I got a trophy. Not because of me. Those guys carried me through the whole thing. I did not deserve to get one of those trophies. There were so many people there that were better than me, but because I was on their team, I got a trophy, and... It was actually kind of funny to tell you the truth, and I still have that trophy, and, and I act like I'm proud of it, but the truth is, uh, I'm not. I know I didn't deserve it one bit, and the truth is, it's the same thing when it comes to God. One of these days, we're going to stand before God, and He is going to let us go into heaven. We're going to stand before God righteous, and it has nothing to do with our efforts. It has nothing to do you know, with our righteousness. It has everything to do with the righteousness of Christ. I mean, we are getting in because of His work that He did on the cross. And if you're saved, you ought to want to have a walk and a, a closeness and a relationship with Jesus Christ. And as you do, as you get closer to Him, as you get to know Him better, your unrighteousness is going to bother you. It's going to convict you. You're going to want to be better. And I think it's sad how many Christian people are completely satisfied with where they're at in their life. And that can only happen if they are far from God, if they are backslidden. If you have a relationship with Christ, you are going to want to constantly do better. And like the psalmist said, you will be satisfied when you awake in his likeness. If you're having a walk with Christ, it's going to cause you to want to avoid sin. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness faith, charity, and peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. See, a lost person, they enjoy sin. The backslidden person, they desire to sin, but a person who is close to God hates sin. And many people today, Christian people, I think they're in that backslidden category. Maybe they're not doing a lot of sins, but they want to. You know why? Because they're not close to God. If they were, they would hate that sin. Listen, we still sin sometimes, but we hate it when we do it. We're convicted when we do it. We feel terrible when we do it. You know, 
a, a person that's close to God, they hate sin, but you know they understand that they might do it again. And so you try to be careful. You try to put safeguards in your life so you don't commit the same thing again. Why? Because God hates sin. And if we want to be like him, and if we become like him, we'll start to hate it too. I mean, it will it'll make us nauseated like it does God. You know, for example, too, you know, people think you know, if I could just do this sin, I'd be satisfied. Well, first of all, that's not true. And second of all, you know, I, I like to compare this to throwing up, right? uh, puking, for example. I think we all know what that is. But, you know, when you throw up, you actually do feel a little better after you throw up. But if people like me, I hate doing it so much, I avoid it at all cost. I just hate it. I can't stand it. I, I it's it's just horrible. And sometimes, you know, I'll probably make things worse trying so hard to hold it in. And and I know that's puking. It probably is good if you can just go ahead and get it out of you. But you know what? Sin, it kind of works the same way. Sometimes we feel like, you know, I would feel better if I did this sin, but the truth is if we're right with God, you're going to do everything you can to avoid it because you understand just how bad it is and you hate it that much. You have that strong of a hatred for sin. But yet sometimes sin makes us feel better. But if you realize how disgusting sin is in the eyes of God, you'd rather suffer than sin. And so that hungering and thirsting after righteousness, it'll help you avoid so many sins. And it will also, if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, it's going to cause you to do good. Those who desire to be like Christ can do works of righteousness. Now, those works of righteousness, remember, they don't save us. Like Titus 3, 5 says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Okay, Nobody gets saved by works. And we all love that verse that says, Not of works. And it's like we think that because the Bible says that, Works is nowhere to be involved in the Christian life. No, after you get saved, you can do works of righteousness and you should do works of righteousness. I mean, and you ought to want to do it. And unfortunately, many people are so backslidden, they don't. And if you get close to God, you will want to do works of righteousness. The works don't save us. They don't mean we're righteous, but it doesn't matter to us. We're just thrilled to watch Christ do the work through us. Just like when I got first place in that golf outing, it, it wasn't through my skill. It was through the skill of those that I was with. And the truth is, in ourselves, by, like Paul said, there dwells no good thing. That's in our flesh. But if in our spirit, if in our soul, we have Jesus Christ. If he is in our hearts, he can do great things through us. And you know what? It's fun to go along for the ride. It was fun being on a winning team. It was fun getting to go up and get a first place trophy for golf. That had never happened to me before. And it probably never will again. And so uh, you need to, uh, you, want, you want to get on God's team. You want to be like him. And as you do, you're going to want to, you're going to want to be like him. See, any righteousness in our life, it's not because of us, it's because of Christ. And true righteousness, it's not going to make you more like others. It's going to make you more like Christ. And right there's a problem. Most people today, the reason they're satisfied with where they're at is because they're doing, they're, what the Bible talks about, comparing themselves 
among themselves, which is not wise. Don't compare yourself to other Christians and other people. That's too easy. You can always find somebody worse than you. And you can always find somebody better than you. We don't usually try to look for those people. But the one that we should be looking for is Christ. Get close to Him. And if you do, you will hunger and thirst after righteousness. That day when I was playing golf, I wanted to be a better golfer. But I haven't played with them since then. And today I really don't care that I stink at golf. Now, if I was hanging around good golfers all the time, I'd probably change my tune. And I probably would start getting better because I'd be practicing. Most people today, the reason you don't care to become more like Christ is you haven't been hanging around them. You're not walking with them. Therefore, you're content right where you're at. But if you get close to Christ, you will hunger and thirst after righteousness. And the Bible says, blessed are they. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You will get better. You will become more like Christ. And you will be blessed as a result of that. Listen, if you watch any sport or particular athlete long enough, you will have a desire to be good at that sport and to play like that athlete. And the the filling of righteousness, it's not going to come till we're in heaven and we're changed, but the blessing comes when we get hungry and thirsty for righteousness and we will get hungry and thirsty for righteousness when we get our eyes on Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope this is your prayer and your desire. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. Thank you for listening to the message this morning by Pastor Tommy McMurtry of Liberty Baptist Church in Rock Falls. We hope you were blessed and invite you to tune in next Sunday at 9.30 a.m. as Pastor Tommy brings you more truths from God's Holy Word. For more information about Liberty Baptist Church, visit their website at experience-liberty.com or you can email them at libertybc2011 at att.net.